welcome to this latest edition of Let's Be Clear podcast series designed and delivered to share the impact of COVID-19 specifically during the current pandemic on diversity and inclusion across a number of sectors with the fantastic insight of business leaders. And I'm really delighted to say today I'm joined by David Bennett, Delivery Director at HS2, and by Mark Lomas, the Head of EDI at HS2, who, first of all, we need to congratulate on achieving Clear Assured Platinum, first ever organisation to achieve that, ministerial endorsement. So fantastic work, everybody. Any thoughts on that, first of all, for our audience in terms of what that means to HS2? Well, from my point of view, frankly, it's a great step. I mean, great achievement, but we've still got a lot to do and a lot to do across the whole construction industry. So, uh, yeah, really good foundation for us to build from. I would echo that entirely. I mean, we're very proud of the uh, the achievement for us at HST Limited. And now what we want to see is our, our supply chain attaining similar standards and, and also push some of that change in culture and practice across the industry. So it's great to be able to lead by example. But as David eloquently put, <laughs> there is much more we need to do. Yeah, thank you for that, Mark and David. And and, one of the things that we really enjoy whenever we talk to HS2 is that authentic response of we're still looking at ourselves, we're still examining what we're doing, we're we're not sitting on our laurels, there must be more that can be done. And what I'd be really interested to hear from you, David, first of all, perhaps you could share with our audience a little bit about what your role is and then how EDI is fundamental to the delivery of that role. Yeah, of course. Pleasure, Kate. So I'm the delivery director for phase one of HS2. Obviously, at the moment, we're primarily uh, interested in in delivering what we would class as our enabling works, which is sort of utility diversions, works around the uh, network rail network and early works in the ecological, uh, environmental and archaeological space as we prepare the way for the main work civil contracts. Now, those contracts actually went into a construction stage nearly a year ago, about 11 months ago, mid, mid-April uh, 2020. And we've had a very busy year finalising detailed design, placing very big procurement orders and getting ready for the start of main construction, which is this year. From the EDI point of view, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, there's a real shortage of skills in, in the uh, construction sector. And it's just a nonsense that traditionally it's pulled really from a, a very a single demographic. And anything that we can do to bring in more talent and a more diverse way of thinking actually translates into our ability to deliver the job as required and as committed to the government. So I'm a huge fan. Construction in particular, I think, and even within HS2, the construction directorate is, is perhaps the bit that's, uh, that's lagging behind uh, some of the other departments. And I think we suffer for it. So um, where we can bring in people with different experiences, different backgrounds, just different ways of looking at things, each of those will contribute to the efficiency of our delivery. So um, I'm a big, big champion of trying to, trying to improve diversity as a whole. Thanks so much, David. And interesting, I know that's one of the reasons why Mark particularly wanted us to talk to you. And I'm just thinking of the size and scale of your job to take time out to share experiences around diversity so that we can share that across other sectors as well. You know, we're very grateful for that. So thank you. I know that 
one of the areas in the world, frankly, that's kept working is construction. I mean, sites have remained open. You've had to get people safely to and from. And there's all sorts of well-being issues, I'm sure, that have come up as well. You know, maybe, Mark, if you want to just pick up a little bit from the, the central team perspective to flow over into David in terms of what has HS2 been able to do to keep that acceleration going in terms of your commitment to EDI during such challenging times? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer a little bit on HS2 Limited and, and a bit on the supply chain and then hand to David because he can talk about all the uh, great work that they've done in sort of getting sites back from the initial COVID standout. But I think really our, our response to the COVID situation has been embedded in our safe at heart approach. And we put well-being firmly at the center of that approach. We've run a number of well-being surveys throughout the COVID period for HS2 Limited and really focused on line managers having that touch-in point with their staff to understand what the issues are, to, to help them be supported. And we, we've actually seen a massive rise in staff engagement over the, the period of COVID, which resulted in our engagement survey, which was just completed recently. Fantastic 82% response rate. We asked our, our staff to sort of describe the HS2 company culture in, in three words. And the word that was used most often was inclusive, which is great. It shows we're doing something right. But I think it is that caring element for our staff, which has made the largest impact over this sort of period of COVID. And then if we translate that to the actions that have needed to be taken at a, at a site level, in order to get sites back up and running and, and ensure kind of COVID safe delivery. That kind of well-being focus and our sort of safe at heart mantra has been very important to, to that. I'm sure David can sort of give you a, a bit more on, on sort of how the sites have got back up to operational delivery. But I think that focus on well-being and our sort of safety ethos has been really critical to that. Yeah, I certainly uh, echo that, Mark. Uh, I, I think that culture of thinking about people's well-being and, and, and caring has been fundamental to uh, HS2 over the last year. And it is kind of ironic that in some ways uh, we've seen a little glimpse of each other's personal lives in a way that perhaps people didn't get engaged with previously and, and recognise the realities of uh, managing homeschooling and flexible hours and all the challenges that we've had, uh, as well as the, the health and well-being worries. In our construction partners, probably the most um, encouraging, the most exciting thing about the way they have responded to this very, very difficult situation is, is the way they've shared, the way we, we, we sort of very much work in a collaborative manner at HS2. Uh, and we encourage sort of uh, collaboration between our supply chain partners and ourselves uh, and each layer of the supply chain. And we've had um, some great conversations and great examples of learning or experience being, being developed in one area of the several hundred kilometre long route being transferred uh, successfully elsewhere. And it's really brought together, you know, it's exemplified that collaborative way of working, which has enabled us to get our sites um, quite rapidly back into some form of a, a efficient output. It, look, it's, it's been a challenge. We've been forming what we call integrated project teams, starting from a sort of standing start a year ago, to the stage now where some of these teams are over a thousand people each in, in, in each of these contracts. And actually, you can imagine that very few of the teams have met each other face to face or, or very few of the individuals within those teams. So the way we worked, um, the way we've used technology, the way we've worked remotely and, and agilely and then worked out what works for us and what doesn't and shared that has been extremely powerful. We have hundreds of sites up and down the, down the route. 
the concern, of course, is not just for our workers, but not just for people in our supply chain, but also for our stakeholders and our neighbours. So that culture of caring we talk about, that thinking about well-being first, is expressed in the HS2 Safe at Heart uh, approach, applies equally to our, our neighbours along the route, and some of which, uh, some of whom are not over-enthusiastic to see us working in their facility in the first place, and then we bring an added worry that we can we continue working through the pandemic. So there's been a real level of engagement and care taken, not just amongst the HS2 family, if you like, but amongst the sort of wider stakeholders. It's a fantastic achievement, isn't it, to, to keep those sites open and, and get that level of engagement. And the number one word on, on people's you know, tongues, if you like, is, is inclusion as, as a culture during such during such difficult times. But I mean, I know from the work that you've done and submitted in terms of your Clear Assured Platinum assessment, some of the innovative work that's happening. But I, I know there's things happening at site level as well that have been done very differently to make sure that you know, safety is inclusive as well. Are you able to share any of that learning with us, David? I'm sure our listeners would be interested in, in how they could uh, translate that into their own environments. Yeah, well, there's been a variety of approaches. And, and I said that, that that sort of collaborative sharing nature has been the key to getting the value for the programme. So we've got some great innovation, including sort of automatic temperature detection, uh, proximity location to make sure people don't get close to each other. We've changed office layouts on sites to make them COVID secure. We've increased uh, all the facilities and, and welfare facilities accordingly. And we really focused hard on thinking about who actually needs to be on a construction site and what work can be just as effectively done uh, remotely. So um, it's a mixture of innovation and just ways of working. No one party has had a, a monopoly on, on the right answers. But when you have so many parties spread over such a diverse uh, population through a, a big geography, by getting that connectivity where we can genuinely take the bits that work, the best bits, and translate them up and down the route has been really powerful for us. Mark, have you anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the ability of, of sites to be COVID secure, to continue working, as David said, people have collaborated and we've, we've seen um, quite a sort of shift in our inclusive health and safety practice at, at site, things like language assurance. So ensuring that signage on site is, is very in inclusive, simple to understand, translated into, into the most common languages looking at sort of our reporting mechanisms for incidents, which uh, we have a system called Horace, and that's now able to be translated into a number of, of languages, audio inputs, uh, etc. And also we can see some of our contractors, this is a great example of, of sort of collaboration across the piece where EDI incident reporting has been built in and, and that process has been shared across sites. So when you're thinking about health and safety issues, well-being issues, there's also the ability to, uh, to report on EDI incidents, which are leveled in a way which is very similar to health and safety incidents on site. The site managers and the site operatives understand because it's through the lens of of health, safety, and, and, and well-being. And again, we're, we're seeing sort of more and more of that collaboration, but ensuring that those health and safety practices are accessible to all, and therefore everyone is as safe as possible is a key part of that practice. I, I think one of the other things that's changed, uh, Kate, is that the, the boundaries of traditional sort of employer engagement has shifted. Uh, at one time, well, probably in, in most fields, uh, when people left the factory gate or the construction site or the office, 
that really the employer didn't think any more about their staff and their, their employees and, and their, their supplier staff. Uh, what is now become completely routine to, to think about uh, people outside the work environment. How do they get to and from the work environment? How can we help them do that in a, in a secure way? We, we've taken an active interest in, in how people are, are living at home and, and how they, um, they've got critical care responsibilities. So they have children they need to take to and from school, all sorts of things that actually employers have been quite uh, reticent to, to engage with previously. It's now become a routine conversation uh, and, and a recognised part of, of how we work. And that has led to a degree of um, more flexible, more agile working, which you know, we're, we're very anxious to make sure we keep the best of however things develop over the, over the next uh, year or two. I have to say, David, just listening to you there, it just feels like music to my ears after all the work that we've done for so many years. Here you are, the delivery director of one of the, one of the, in fact, I think the biggest infrastructure project in the world. I'm probably exaggerating, but that's what I see it as. And one of the biggest jobs, certainly in infrastructure, let's say that. And here you are talking about the impact of people having to homeschool, um, having to travel to and from work safely, having to have flexibility for critical care support at home. And, you know, I don't think uh, as recently as a year ago, having a conversation with somebody with your role in your context would have been having that open dialogue. And, and you'd have had, I, I think, probably, and I can see your face, which our, our listeners can't, you know, the privilege. And, and actually, you're obviously getting something quite significant from that deeper knowledge of your colleagues and want to make sure that you maintain that. And I think that gives me significant hope for the future in terms of our leadership, if that's how people in your level and in your role, your context are are thinking. And, you know, please, please, please do take it all forward into the next layer post-COVID. Because one of the questions I had for you really was around that that safety element, because when we've met previously, we've discussed the fact that, you know, I interact with people who have partners who work in, in the construction sector. And, and it's the whole family impact, isn't it? That that, that family is, is under stress, worried about that travel and transport. Yeah. And what you've said so far, is it, it just seems to me that it's deep seated in two things. One is an absolute, genuine, authentic intent to make sure that everybody is looked after and cared for. That That's coming through really, really positively. But actually what you're doing to achieve that are some very simple, straightforward, one might even say in another world, obvious things to do. Well, we check the temperature so we know people aren't too close to each other. We make signage simple. We report EDI incidents in the same way we report health and safety incidents. We check that people can get to work safely. I mean, there's no rocket science in any of that, is there? It's just all doable for everybody, which I think also is like, you can probably tell by my tone of voice now, it's, it's pretty invigorating for me. I just think that that sounds really positive. And, and, you know, just to build on what you said there, David, is what you said was you, you're absolutely adamant that what you will take is the best of this learning into the new reality. And have you any thoughts in terms of how that might translate into whatever the new reality might be and whenever it might happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obviously uh, still a, a, you know, a developing picture, and we're very much developing the, those plans as, well as we speak. But what's absolutely certain is we will be uh, trying to retain some of those best agile practices, and we will retain and recognise the value of, of that more personal interaction and understanding our employees and our supply chains employees and their situations uh, better. Uh, ironically, actually, I've, I've, I've spent some years in the, in the Middle East, and in the Middle East, it was it, it was actually recognised that you, you needed to get engaged with, uh, with with your suppliers 
and how they lived and make sure they were in proper accommodation and they were being looked after outside the workplace. Whereas in the UK, I think we've been reticent to do that. And I think we've broken now some of those barriers. And, and look, it's been a tough year, by the way. I don't, I don't want anyone to go away thinking this, this has been, yeah. been, been great. It's, it's been a really tough year. And there are some things that you just can't get through this remote working. But some of those things in terms of engaging with the home circumstances of our staff, in fact, of just communicating more regularly with everyone, which the technology now allows us to do, and recognising you can flex ways of working and flex hours and still achieve the same output. Some of those things are just going to become a part of how we do business going forward. Yeah. Definitely. It's, uh, it's interesting because one of your observations originally, I think, was, you know, around the you know, change in the demographic within the construction sector. And we know just statistically that there are more men working in the construction sector than, than there are women. And I'm hearing a lot of men who are really enjoying family time seven days a week instead of just two days a week and being there when kids get home from school and, and being part of that homeschooling and having family meal times together and yeah, I just wondered whether there was any sense within your colleagues of, of, of how we can support that going forward. Because from a parenting perspective, that's just awesome, isn't it? That we can, if we can support that. Well, I, th- I think from, from my perspective, definitely as we come back from COVID, the kind of blended approach of both agile working, flexible working. And then, of course, if you're in a site-based role where there are specific activities, you really must be on site to deliver. Mm-hmm. You know, we will see that blended way of, of working, I think, develop more and, and more and more. Number one, out of, out of necessity, uh, I think. And number two, because, like David said, people have realized that there are a number of benefits. That doesn't mean that there are um, that there are, are activities which we kind of will have to conduct on on site and in person in, in future. But when we've surveyed our staff, it's quite clear that they see the future as a blended approach. You know, if you sort of put it into a gross generalization, maybe one of the things over the last 20 years that the construction sector has done is that this is the way we operate and the talent will come and join us no matter how we operate. And we're at a point with skill shortages, people retiring, such. we just have to accept the fact that that's not happened. And therefore, bringing new people into the sector is really important. And COVID has maybe accelerated a kind of change of mindset around flexible working and some of the agile working. And at HST, we've embedded that into our contractual arrangements. So there are contractual clauses which permit flexible working, et cetera, within our, our main works contracts. And I think as we go forward, and I don't doubt, as David said, there are going to be hiccups and difficulties along the way, achieving that balance, which, you know, maintains those levels of engagement. And then, of course, allows us to hit peak efficiency is going to be the trick of the, the trade. But no doubt the process of change, I think, is definitely, definitely start. We, we think we've got a real responsibility, actually, at HST. It's such a huge project. It's effectively a national enterprise. It's not just the project. It's a national enterprise. And, and the way we see it and the way we've talked about it in, in our Safe at Heart uh, campaign, which, which I said is really all about well-being, we have an opportunity here to, to actually change the norm, to reset the benchmark. And then you can you make that a bit stronger. You go, well, actually, if we've got an opportunity, and this is a once-in-a-generation program in National Enterprise, they just don't happen. They just don't, you know, I'm 39 years in construction, and this is by far the biggest program I've been engaged in you realise it's not just an opportunity, it's, a, it's an obligation. Because what we set as the standards going forward will become the benchmark of, of best practice or, or poor practice if we, if we didn't fulfil it uh, across the entire industry. 
And we're determined at HST that we will be part of setting that that new standard and, and really shift the, the norm to, to a more effective way of working. And by the way, it's not just altruistic. It, it's, it's efficient. It's sensible. It makes best use of our resources. It, it gets the, the best outputs. It, 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 it wins in, in every regard. So uh, it's a great opportunity, Re- a really exciting program to be part of. Thank you. Uh, I think that's a great note to end on, um, if I may. I just think that sort of summarises it all. And I think that level of accountability and responsibility has shone through in, in the discussion today. And not disputing the fact that both of you have confirmed this has not been an easy year. It's been difficult. You almost certainly haven't got everything right all the time. But I think you've shared some key messages for our listeners that can be iterated into other organisations. And I think that leadership role that's coming across so clearly in terms of people who procure People who run big projects have an opportunity to lead on best practice and not get absorbed into existing core practice. And in the EDI and the health and safety space, I think that's particularly key. So on that note, as we reassemble our scattered phones, iPads and laptops that it took all of us to finally connect on some form of technology (laughs) in the modern world, (laughs) I will thank both Mark Lomas and David Bennett for your time today and for sharing so openly with us and encourage all of our listeners to listen to the Let's Be Clear podcast series on the Clear Company YouTube channel. Thank you very much for joining us today and we look forward to meeting again soon, I'm sure. (laughs) 